0: Hi, this is Bishop E. James Logan, Senior Pastor of Christian Faith Fellowship Church in Zion, Illinois. Welcome to our podcast. I pray you'll be blessed by a fresh word from God every time you tune in. So we put our hands together and we open up our mouths and we stand to our feet and we celebrate the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords because he deserves it. In the mighty and mighty name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Let every heart say... Amen. 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 Well, uh, since you're standing, can you grab your Bibles and we're going to go ahead and get right into the word. Um, I have a lot of notes today. I was trying to trying to plan on keeping it short. Uh, So we'll see what God does. Uh, But this is Bible study. So um, grab your Bibles and uh, turn with me to Romans chapter 12, uh, Romans chapter 12, uh, verse 1, Romans chapter 12, verse 1, and just put a, just put a pen in there, um, just put a pen in that, and uh, let, us, let us bow our heads and pray again. Heavenly Father, use me for your glory. Speak through me the mysteries of the kingdom, that I may try to convey what it is that you've placed on my heart to deliver to your people. Father, pierce their hearts, let this word penetrate the hearts of your people so that they may know something that they did not know when they came in this place. In Jesus' name I pray, have your way. Amen. Amen. You may actually have your seats, but just put a pen in your Bible. Just, just keep a, a pen right there. Uh, we're continuing on uh, Sunday's message, Show Me Your Glory. Uh, and, and I just want to try to talk and, and teach uh, through some of the things that God has been showing me. I'm. I'm gonna be honest. I'm slightly overwhelmed with all the information uh, that God has just been giving me, and I've been reading and studying. Um, but I believe God's going. God's gonna have His way tonight, and uh, we're gonna leave here knowing more about His glory. Amen. So, so I wanna. I wrote down a few, uh, a few points, a few principles, a few key things that that uh, stood out to me uh, as I was studying the glory of God, the glory of God. Now, we talked about the definition of his glory, which is it it can be entailed as the splendor and the majesty of God, the splendor and the majesty of God. It can also be known as uh, his judgment, his salvation and his mighty acts, his judgment, his salvation and his mighty acts. Okay, glory can also be described or defined as honor honor or weight honor and weight okay when you glorify something you show that you glorify it by the weight that you put on it the honor that you give to it the respect the reverence that you give to it okay So I summed all of that up as the wonders of God's glory. Because truly, 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 and and theologians have said it as well, uh, uh, every attribute, every description that is in the Bible that talks about how awesome and how mighty God is, it all declares of the glory of God. Because the glory of God is so, I mean, if we get into the nuts and bolts, it's so complex that we could sit here all day. We could have a a, we could have 52 messages on the glory of God and talk about something different every single time. Okay, so I, I don't want you to think that the glory of God is just goosebumps that you felt when the song seemed real powerful. Or I don't want you to think that every time we sing, Lord, you are good. Oh, I feel the glory every time. No, no, no. It's not just limited to what you feel. Okay. All right. Like we talked about again on Sunday, the glory of God was was something that Moses and the children of Israel experienced. The glory of God went with them and, and even though the glory of God went with them multiple times and they experienced miracles, signs and wonders, they still didn't honor and respect the glory of God the way Moses did. And uh, I'm trying not to get excited. I don't want us to be like the children of Israel where we forget the things that God has done and the glory that we've already experienced. That's why Moses said, listen, I don't want to leave this place if your presence doesn't go with me. And Moses saw more than what the children of Israel saw. Does Moses have to go up on Mount Sinai? In my Bible program, there's, a, there's an image, they took a picture of Mount Sinai. And I mean, like looking at it, it looks very, very difficult to climb up to the top of Mount Sinai. If I was Moses, I would have been like, y'all couldn't wait, y'all look at Mount Sinai. You couldn't wait? for me to come down from this difficult climb and it's not like he had the the stores and the and the terrain places and and bass pro shop to get hiking boots and hike it's not like he had all the stuff that we have the people were that impatient people wanted to worship something so bad so this goes to show me that our appetite they they say this today they say that marketers have gotten so smart and they don't just tell you what they want you to buy now, they show you. Because they know if they show you, you're more likely to buy it. God has shown us his glory over and over and over again. And we still don't hunger and thirst after his glory like Moses does. It's very humbling. So so one of the key points that I want us to, to dig deep on is humility as glory. Humility as glory. We don't, we don't think about humility as glory. I ain't no punk, I ain't gonna let people just walk all over me. And you just gotta tell everybody all the stuff that you're doing and how great and mighty that you are. But Jesus displayed his glory in how humble he was. (laughs) Humility, like Bishop talked about in in his teachings and prayer and fasting, humility from us says, God, I'm nothing without you. Humility says, God, even the gifts that I do have that, that people may think are awesome, God, I wouldn't be anything had you not given it to me. Humility says, God, I I can't even do the thing that you've gifted me to do if you don't grace me to do it. So now we get we get here to Romans chapter 12, verse one. In NIV, it says, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy to offer your bodies as a what? Living sacrifice holy and pleasing to God, this is your true and proper worship. This is your true and proper worship. The King James Version says, it's your reasonable service. The ancient Greek word reasonable, logikos, can also be translated as the word. Reasonable service is a life of worship. Your reasonable service, you could even make it plain like that's reasonable. For us to come and gather together on a Wednesday night, on a Sunday morning, that, that's, that's, that's reasonable. I mean, that's not, we're not even asking you for a lot. If we, if we combine the hours that you spend doing the things that you want to do, the time you spend on your job, the time you spend with your family, all the time you went to the movies. I mean, some of y'all saw Avatar and you've been in Avatar longer than you've been in church. You sat through three and a half hours. You started 2022 watching Avatar and you came into the new year watching Avatar. And as soon as service get past an hour and 15 minutes, you ready to go. Because you got Sunday fun day or whatever else. Like, this is our reasonable service. And if we're honest, we don't even have church a lot like the way some of y'all grew up. (laughs) Can I get a witness? Y'all quieted here. We don't have Sunday school. We don't have, you know, I I didn't even experience YPWW. You don't got... (laughs) you don't have a lot of these things we don't have the Sunday night musicals and then you know I used to have to go with my grandma my grandma's church would go uh, fellowship with other churches and they would do 75 different songs (laughs) everybody had an A and B selection and you better not complain then after that they cooked dinners So you was you was in church Sunday was just don't even think about doing nothing else. Sunday was church. Sunday was for church. Now, today we give people options. You can watch online. You can catch us on our read broadcast whenever it's convenient for you. This is your reasonable service. Reasonable service is a life of worship, according to God's word. Watch this point. The sacrifice of an animal was a reasonable service in the Old Testament. The sacrifice of an animal was a reasonable service, but only for the one bringing the sacrifice, not for the sacrifice itself. Under the new covenant, we have far greater mercies. So it is reasonable to offer a far greater sacrifice. Because we're under a new covenant We have to offer a new kind of sacrifice and that is us we present our bodies He says I beseech you I beg you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice Guess what happens when you sacrifice? There had to be a fire The fire would burn up the sacrifice. And it would the Bible says it would cause a sweet-smelling aroma. Watch this. Our sacrifice is, is an act of worship. Our sacrifice is an act of worship that brings glory to God. First Kings chapter 18. Verses 37 through 39, I'm reading from a different transliteration. The Bible says this, "He says, answer me, O Lord. Answer me so that this people will know that you, the Lord, are God and that you have turned their hearts back again. Verse 38, then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the sacrifice the wood, the stones and the dust, and it licked up the water in the trench. Verse 39. When all the people saw this, they fell face down and said, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. It's funny when, when I'm studying, I often hear things that I've heard before, but like the Bible says, the Holy Spirit will bring back to remembrance like, like that moment or that time, because I used to hear it before, and I, I don't know exactly where, but maybe dad said it, or I heard it in a church service, but fire falls on sacrifice. Fire falls on sacrifice. In, in Exodus, when, when the children of Israel were in the wilderness, there was a cloud by day, the pillar of cloud by day, and what by night? fire by night we we can connect the fire that is talked about here in first kings with god's glory god's glory came down and fell on the sacrifice because that was what was reasonable and due to him it was an act of worship that God recognized and fell down because of the prayers of a righteous man. The fire here is an act of God's glory. We experience some of the most powerful moments When we humble ourselves, we submit. To submit means to come under. We submit ourselves under the power of God so that God can have his way in the service. Some of the most powerful services we have is not when me or Bishop or Pastor Deborah, we're preaching our heads off. It's when everybody in the room gets on one accord and says, yeah, his presence is here. I submit to what God is doing here in this moment. I submit to his will and to his way. When we understand that we have to humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God, we experience his glory. You give glory and honor to a thing when you worship that thing. Some of you uh, are sports fans and we talk, we use a lot of sports examples, but I'll I'll use this one. Some of you have children or if you've gone to uh, your child's recital or a graduation or a basketball game or some kind of event that that they were recognized for. And they say this one thing that, that many of us Uh, that have a skin color like mine or a little bit darker, um, um, they say, hey, please hold all applause (laughs) until the end. But the minute, (laughs) but the minute they say your baby's name, you begin to give glory to their name. You make, what does that mean? You make their name bigger in that area, in that gymnasium. I, I'm thinking about my graduate, my high school graduation. We had high school graduation at Northwestern's gymnasium. I mean, it's thousands of, my graduating class, maybe like 1,200 people, and it was probably like 20,000 plus people in the stadium. And when particular groups of people when their child graduated they had signs they had billboards they made their relative's name great in that arena that's why we as a body of believers at the mention of his name we should, come on, we should be making his name great. We should make his name resonate. We should be shaking the foundations of this building because he's worthy of our glory. He's worthy of all the honor. He's worthy of all the praise. So I lift up your name in this place. I will stand in a... in a. So you know, uh, Bishop and I, we have conversations like this, and you know, some of you may have seen it, but but we don't we don't really have a worship issue in our church. Because you don't have a problem worshiping what you want to worship. It's 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 we have some of us have have memory loss. We have short-term memory loss. You some of you forget or you forgot what God has done for you. See, see when, you keep, when you keep at the forefront of your mind the things that God has brought you out of, it, it, the preacher would never have to say, come on, clap your hands. Come on, open up your mouth. Come on, lift. Come on, make his... The preacher would never have to say these things to you because you remember where you were. You, re- you remember what, what God brought you out of. So we as a body of believers have to live in a state of remembrance... So that whenever it's, it's time for us to give God our reasonable service, we don't have to try to, oh, man, I don't feel it. Yeah, God maybe didn't feel like bringing you out for the 75th time, but he did. Because he loves you that much. We're not afraid. worship. We don't have a worship problem. We just We have a memory problem. And we have an attraction problem. We're, we're attracted to the wrong things. That's why you got to be careful what entertains you. you. You have to be mindful of what you allow yourself to be entertained by. Because you, you're drawn to the things that you're attracted to. You're drawn to the things that you're attracted to. It, it's, it may be a physical attraction, it may be a food attraction, it may be, oh man, that, that makes me feel good. But if we are to present our bodies as a living sacrifice, we can't always do the things that we want to do. If we are to present our bodies as a living sacrifice, we can't uh, uh, do what we want with our bodies. We can't, we can't, oh, y'all are not going to like, y'all are not going to like this either. You can't dress how you want to dress. You can't, you can't do whatever you want to do to your body. You can't tattoo uh, your body. And I got tattooed. You can't tattoo your body how you want to tattoo it. You can't pierce your body the way you want to pierce it. I, we, can we be real? Can we be honest? If we are pre- to present our bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable, you can't do whatever you want to do because the sacrifice, if you're the sacrifice, you don't have a say-so. <laughs> you're the sacrifice. You, you, don't get to, you don't get to decide. That's God's decision. So, so let's, let's transition to, to this now. So, so now we're going to talk about God's glory that is made manifest in our lives. Our lives as believers should be marked by the glory of God in us. The Bible says, and they will know them by their fruit. You you should be leaving residue. There should be glory residue every time you leave a place. And it could be simple, like my family, we like to we like to notice this. We'll go eat somewhere. And when we walk in, it's dead. By the time we get our food it's packed. I, I just like to think that I bring the glory. I just I like to think I bring the glory. We bring the glory with us. When you leave a tip, or you're talking to the waitress, there should be something that you leave behind that makes them wonder, "Man, they man, they were just really pleasant." They were because you left behind the glory. Yeah. I was listening to uh, one theologian, and he was preaching, and he was breaking down uh, the 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 how we were created to work, and and the women were created to work and bear children. It was he was being funny he said well it's interesting how God created Adam to work and then Eve had two jobs and he had one but that's you know you'll catch that (laughs) you catch that later Uh, but but society today and and the way things are going in culture it it makes you think that working is wrong or or because you have enmity because of the fall of man now like the thing that we were designed to do work now, now we don't like to do it. It it pains us. It's annoying. It gets on our nerves. It's like, oh my goodness, why am I working? I can't stand this job. And how you do it just to live, and when really God created us to work because He created Adam and Eve to till the land in the Garden of Eden, and and, and they were supposed to do that. And so and so many of us, uh, we we have an issue with work and how we do things and. And we don't experience the joy that we should in working because of how the world has tainted uh, uh, our view of work. The world has allowed us to to be be tainted by by their views and by their ideologies. The world has even gotten into the the the. the the body positivity movement. Oh, we accept you just as you are. They even have gymnasiums now. Gyms, whose sole purpose is for you to buy a membership so you can change your body, are now saying, come to the most body positive gym ever. We love the way you already look. And some of the ideologies of the world have crept in to your views and to the views of the church. And and people say stuff like, yeah, you can can wear whatever. Yeah, come as you are. Yes, you can come as you are. But if you have a true encounter with God, you don't want to stay the same. If you truly want to if if, if you're if you're a gym rat and you truly want to see results, you're not going to continue to eat the same way. You're not going to continue to sleep the same way. You're not going to do the same things that you always did that got you in the predicament that you're in right now. You're going to make a lifestyle change so that you can see the results that you want to see. So whatever, des- uh, whatever desire that you have, maybe you want to look good for the summertime or whatever, whatever, but it should be the same thing in the church. I'm not going to come to church and be the same. I'm not going to come to church and see and experience the glory of God and then leave the church and do the same thing I was doing. Before I got to church. I, I'm not going to do that. And, and the life of a true believer is marked by the change that we see in you. There should be a transformation in your life. That's why you don't really see churches called same church. <laughs> you see transformation church. There's a change church that the evolve, I've seen evolve, even though we should be transformed. We should not be staying the same. If you have an encounter with God, you should not want to stay the same. No, God, I know that was awesome, but now I'm good just like this. It should not happen. Our lives should be marked by the glory of God. It's imperative that we do two things as as image bearers. We were made in his image and his likeness. So we definitely should be glory carriers and image bearers. Number one, we have to live in a state of remembrance of the majesty, of the glory, of the splendor of God Almighty. We have to live in the state of remembrance. And number two, we have to live in such a way, like Matthew five sixteen says, where people see our good works and want to glorify our Father in heaven. People should see glory on you. People should see glory on you already. If your life is truly marked, there should be glory on you. you okay, here it is. You shouldn't be battling the same demons that you battled for 30 years. We shouldn't have the same temptations that we had before we were saved right now. Okay. I'm going to let that marinate right there. I'm going to let that marinate. God's glory has to be made manifest in our lives. When people come in contact with us, that's why they're coming to you. And I know we may make light of it, but it's a, it's a serious thing. Your cousins, they're always coming to you. You're locked up ones. The troubled family members, hey, hey, cuz, can you pray for me? Hey, cuz, hey, family, there's glory on you. Now, you got to guard your heart as well, because if, if, if it's been five years, five, ten years, and they still, okay, you don't respect the glory on my life. So I can't keep running to assist you when you don't respect the glory that you could also have. All right. My final point is we have to behold the glory of God. We have to behold the glory of God. We'll read some Bible and we'll go home. Turn with me to John chapter 17. John chapter 17. And I got, I got a little time. John chapter 17, and I'll... I'll start at verse one. Jesus spoke these words. He lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that your son may glorify you. As you have given him authority over all flesh that he should give eternal life to as many as you have given him. And this is eternal life that they may know you. The only true God. And Jesus Christ, whom you have sent, I have glorified you on earth. I have finished the work which you have given me to do. And now, O Father, glorify me together with yourself, with the glory which I had with you before the world was. Before the world was. Now, Jesus is praying for himself. There's there's three different prayers that Jesus is going to pray in John chapter 17. Jesus prays for himself first and he asks God to restore to him the glory that he had before the world was framed. Right. Why? Because Jesus is about to die on the cross and he wants the people who are trying to kill him and think that they're doing this great and mighty thing. He wants them to see the glory of God. Jesus would always say, I'm only here to do what my father Instructed me to do. Jesus had an assignment and he didn't let anyone or anything stop him from accomplishing his assignment. He says, I'm only here to do what my father called me to do, tells me to do, wants me to do, instructs me to do. And so he said, Father, restore to me the glory which I had before so that the people can see you, not me. That's humility. Then Jesus prays for disciples. He says, I have manifested your name to the men with whom you have given me out of the world. They were yours. You gave them to me and they have kept your word. Now they have known that all things which you have given me are from you. For I have given to them the words which you have given me and they have received them. And have known surely that I came forth from you, and they have believed that you sent me. I pray for them. I do not pray for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. And all mine are yours, and yours are mine. And I am glorified in them. Now, Jesus is saying he gets glory. By how the disciples lived because they believed what Jesus taught them. And they lived in such a way that Jesus was glorified and God was glorified because they believed what Jesus taught them. It should be the same with us. God should be glorified in the way that you live because of what you've been taught and because of how you live. It's not always in what you say. Because some of y'all speak in tongues and you still cuss. But what does your life say about you? Because your life will do more talking than your words will ever do. And once again, this is why we have a generation growing up. They don't listen to what you say. They watch how you live. So be mindful how you live. I pray for them. I don't pray for the world, but for those who have given me. All are mine. All mine are yours and yours are mine. And I'm glorified in them now now. I am no longer in the world, but these are in the world. And I come to you, Holy Father, keep through your name those whom you have given me that they may be one as we are. While I was with them in the world, I kept them in your name. Those whom you gave me, I have kept and none of them is lost except the son of perdition. Anybody just quick Bible quiz. Anybody can guess who the son of perdition is? Come on, don't be, don't be shamed. Say it out loud. Okay. Thank you. It's not a trick question. All right. Except the son of perdition that the scripture might be fulfilled. But now I come to you and these things I speak in the world that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. Verse 14. I have given them your word. And the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Saints today, you need to know, you need to be mindful of the world news. Bishop has been telling you that there has been some persecution of the saints. There has been some persecution. Like I told you Sunday, there was a young man that got kicked out of a mall because he had a T-shirt on that said Jesus saves. And on the back... It said, coexist and it had it crossed out. He didn't, he didn't walk around with a speaker and a microphone saying, "You go to hell if you don't get right." He just walked around the mall with that T-shirt on. And they kicked him out of the mall. The world is not going to be OK with you living outside of their culture. The world is not going to be okay with you being loud about your faith. The world is not going to be okay with you being loud about why you believe what you believe. The world is not going to be okay with you professing, watch this, the name of Jesus. You can say God because God is broad. And, you know, you know the Muslims call God, God today. The American ones. They just say God. So you don't know what they're saying. And they got all these Christians Singing this DJ Khaled song saying God did DJ Khaled is very much Muslim And so we got Christian you got preachers all up and down aesthetic God did And you're helping a man who serves a fake and false God sell millions and millions of records Talking about the little G God But I serve The big G guy, the capital G guy, as Bishop used to say, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. Put a handle on that name. Told y'all. Says, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world just as I am not of the world. Verse 17, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. And for their sakes, I sanctify myself that they also may be sanctified by the truth. Verse 20. This is where Jesus prays. For the body of believers. He says, I do not pray for all these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. Jesus prayed for you before you knew he was praying for you. I already told you, Jesus sits at the right hand of the father and he's always interceding for you. He is praying on your behalf. He is he is sitting at the right hand of the father pleading. He says, I pray that they for all those who believe in me through their word, that they all may be one. As you, father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us. That the world may believe that you sent me. Verse 22. And the glory which you gave me, I have what? Given them. That they may be one just as we are one. Verse 23. I in them and you in me, that they may be made perfect in one. And that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. Verse 24. Father, I desire that they also whom you gave me may be with me where I am. That they may behold my glory, which you have given me. For you loved me before the foundation of the world. O righteous father, the world has not known you, but I have known you. And these have known that you sent me. And I have declared to them your name, and I will declare that the love with which you loved me may be in them, and I in them. Jesus prays for the church he prays for the body of believers why that we may behold his glory that he gave that God gave Jesus so that we may be one how did he do that he left us his spirit he left us his spirit so now we don't just have to to like they did back in the old days in the old testament they had to go into the tabernacle and they were there were sanctified and there were set apart utensils and there were set apart items and there were set apart things that had to be uh uh, for lack of a better term to 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 modernize it they would ziploc bag it and they would put it away because this is only used in the house of god in the tabernacle that was what that was what happened back in the old days. And now we have the Holy Spirit. So God seals us and puts us away because we are only for his design and for his purpose. We are the set apart ones. We are the called out ones. We are the ones that get to walk in the fullness of his love and his glory because he gave us what his spirit We are to behold the glory of God because he left us with his precious gift, the Holy Spirit, to behold, to to be living temples. So now when we go out and we leave the tabernacle, guess what? He's still with us guess what he still he dwells in us the shekinah glory that the glory that dwells it rests in us so when you go out into the world and you got onto your job and you're at the baseball game and you see accidents you begin to speak life because the glory is with you i remember my prayer a long time ago stand to your feet i was sitting in my college dorm after. 24 months of acting like the children of israel i, I i'd seen too much i i'd seen miracles and on mission trips i've seen people get out from wheelchairs and i've seen cancer dry up and i I'd, I'd seen powerful worship services and i've seen all that stuff but because i was a little church boy i wanted to experience life on my own and i remember i had came to church after we had an online class for that particular month i remember elder kevin was up on the piano and he called me up and he asked me to sing and i'll never forget and i sang and i did not feel the presence of god And I got off the stage and I felt defeated. I felt disgusting. I felt worthless. I felt useless. useless. And I got back to college and I sat at the edge of my bed. It was 4 o'clock in the morning because I couldn't sleep. I was like, "What? what was that? What happened? And I began crying and weeping. And I said, God, I don't ever want to experience that again. I don't ever want to sing another song and not experience your presence. I don't ever want to go before your people and not have your presence and not have your glory. I don't ever want to experience that again. So I pray the prayer of Psalm 51 like David, God, cast me not away from your presence. Please don't take your spirit from me. And we have to get like Moses and say, God, I know what I've seen. God, I know the miracles and the signs and the wonders. I know all of that. But God, show me your glory. God, show me your power. God, I don't want to leave this place. I don't want to leave here the same way that I can. God, I'm begging you. I'm pleading you. And I'm putting a demand on your glory. God, show me your glory. God, show me your power. I don't want to experience another moment of my life without your presence, without your glory, without your power, without your spirit. Father, go with me. I don't want to leave this place. God, if you ain't going with us to the promised land, I don't want to go there. I don't want that opportunity if your presence is not going to be with me. I don't want a new car. I don't want a new job. I don't know. Whatever it is, God, I don't want it if your presence does not go with me. Father, we behold your glory because you're the king of glory. You are the king of glory. So, Father, we honor you in this place. We reverence your name in this place. We honor your presence. We add weight to your name, oh God. We add weight to your name and we will declare your name to the ends of the earth. Wherever we go, wherever we are, God, we will live in such a way that men may see your good works and glorify our Father in heaven because of the way that we carry the glory. Father, start a fire within our souls that we may be glory carriers and image bearers that wherever we go, people would recognize the glory that is on our lives, that people would seek out the glory that is in us. People will seek out the power that you've bestowed upon us. That people will seek out our anointing. That people will seek out our humility. That people will seek out our servanthood. Because you've given it to us, Father. Father, we are nothing without you. God, we're, no, we're nothing without you, Father. We'd be lost, like the song says, like a ship without a sail, tossed to and fro, Father. We would be so lost. If it had not been for your grace and your new mercies not just one but father you extended your your mercies you extended your mercies to us each and every day because you are a glorious God help us to understand the weight of your glory help us to understand and we have your spirit. Help us to cherish and honor that precious gift so that we can walk in the fullness of what you've called us to walk into. And we can live the way you've called for us to live so that when we see that great day, Like one theologian says, when you experience that day where you see him, all you want is him. When you you see him, when you seek his face and you see him, Father, all we will want is you. All our hearts desire would be you. Father, we are hungry for those who hunger and thirst. They shall be filled. Father, we're hungry tonight. Father, we're a hungry people. We're a desperate people for not just for you to bless us with stuff, but Father, we're hungry for your presence. Father, we're hungry for your glory. Father, we're hungry for your power. We're desperate. We're hungry. We're desperate for a mighty move. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Well, thank you for joining us. I also want to thank you in advance for clicking on the link to support our ministry. Your giving is what moves ministry forward and ministry must move forward. You can also visit us online at cffczion.org for more information. If you were blessed by this word, please subscribe and share this podcast with your friends and family. God bless you.